Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Rashad Penny. To my Chris Carson, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, feeling spry and limber, feeling recovered and ready to go. I don't think you're going to play it for at least a couple weeks, though. So oh, to I need my mic and I'm out. So, so to replace you, here we go. We've got our very own Carlos Hyde. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Oh, so wise, durable, possibly disappointing, but we just don't know yet. Sounds got your like first, me. got your first thousand yard season in last season. You, you peaked at age uh, what is it? 20, 29. All right, let's talk about this first. Let's just get it out of the way, okay? Seahawks, Seahawks, uh, Reddit, Twitter, the Seahawks verse was ablaze with the news. The Seahawks paying four million dollars. Uh, to get Carlos Hyde to come in and kind of uh, provide a safety net, a safety valve of Chris Carson and or Rashad Penny are not ready to go to start the season. To keep us out of the turban zone. Yeah, to keep us from having turban or uh, another Marshawn. Yep. Lynch. The Marshawn Lynch thing was fun, but I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say most people at this point agree it wasn't good. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, it was. Uh, well, let's talk about it. Kevin. What do you think? What did how, how did, the, did the move make you feel? think what make me make you feel so one thing i liked about it was that the seahawks basically went hey we're going shopping with this amount of money there are these backs that we'd be willing to give that amount of money to and when and when one of them in this case freeman went well could we get a little bit more they're like next target i think that's i think that was a good move i think um with how vital the running back position is to the type of offense that we run adding that flooring isn't a bad thing uh it does mean that we'd have to make a move if we wanted to chase down a big time defensive line signing. But I also think a lot of that, I mean, at this point that ship seems to have sailed. Yeah. Um, Eric, what, what, what do you, what do you think? What was your, uh, your Carlos Hyde reaction? My, so when we signed him, I heard it was for less. Like the original report I read, it said something like 1.7. Uh, I don't know if I just, if I just missed so there's, really quickly. There's a lower amount of guarantees and then a lot of incentives. Um, apparently like 3.3 million of them are like the easiest incentives in the entire world. So he's going to get to 3.3 without any issues. And then the last little bit to get to 4 million is, it's tougher. He'll probably count around 3.3 around around for about 3.3 on the initial salary cap. Okay. That makes sense. And you got to put that up at four because you don't want to, you know, be stuck underneath and that's how the Seahawks like to do it. Um, anyway, at 1.7, I was ecstatic at 4 million. I kind of wish Devonte Freeman would have just taken it. Having said that, if we can get just great third down back plays out of Carlos Hyde, goal line stand, get that first down, grind it out. Don't be Travis Homer. Uh, I'm I'm in. With like Kevin said, uh, if we're going to get defensive line help with two signings that I'm still anticipating, even if they're bargain signings. Uh, looks like we're going to need to cut people for that, and that's that's just a reality. Yeah, so I'm just going to first – I think there's two different ways I have to think about this. I have to think about it from a football perspective and then from like a roster construction perspective because if I try to think about both at the same time, I think that I would just hate it. So from a roster construction perspective, um, Carlos Hyde in 2017 did catch 59 passes, probably can – play some on third down. I think you're right. Devontae Freeman is the more obvious kind of compliment to Chris Carson as the more uh, elite pass catcher and uh, kind of third down back. But, but Carlos Hyde provides a nice floor as he's, 
doesn't totally suck. He's going to average like four yards a carry. Um, last year actually put up pretty good at advanced stats. He, he he's fine. I I can't be mad about Carlos Hyde. Like it's not like we picked up some guy that uh, totally sucks and is going to be off the team in in two weeks. But he's not a scrub. There's, but he's kind of a Mike Davis. There's a there's a problem, and he's better than that. But there's a problem for me, uh, which is that these moves don't exist in a vacuum, right? Like this is. Uh, this is kind of a the last domino to fall in an offseason where the Seahawks decided that instead of getting really good players, they would just get a they would just slightly overpay like 40 dudes. And I just it's hard for me to see what what they're trying to do. They're they're just overpaying a bunch of guys 20% or so, and none of them are that good. And now they need to be good because we're going to rely on a lot of these guys who came in who are new and we need them to produce. And it just, none of them are that elite. Um, I saw a stat that the Seahawks were like, they created twice as many pressures last year with Clowney on the field than off the field. And I think that that's, that's the kind of thing that people don't think about the effect that Clowney had. They just go, Oh, he had four sacks or, Oh, he didn't have that many pressures, but he opened up opportunities for other players on the team and like look at the stats like a guy like Quentin Jefferson put up Quentin Jefferson had a really good season last year and it wasn't because Quentin Jefferson made the leap and became one best Quentin Jefferson is a solid rotational defensive lineman but he's not a godlike player Clowney made him better you know and, th- and that's true for other guys too and I'm just worried that without a guy like Clowney and how thin our defensive tackle rotation is right now this team is this defense is really relying on the secondary to be absolutely elite. And if they are not, it will, the defense could be low key, a disaster and spending money on running backs is a questionable practice on the best day. So I'm, I'm a little frustrated overall with the Seahawks offseason, And I think this was kind of like a cherry on top moment where they spent overspent on a running back. It was like, um, just, it just, it turned the, it went full meme. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It went from like, "Hey, let's make fun of, let's make fun of uh, Pete for, for, for doing all this or loving running backs and like loving the running game too much." And like, you know, uh, I jo- uh, someone on Twitter joked, and I, I don't, I don't know who it is, but there was a lot of jokes around because that guy won the Madden tournament without ever throwing the ball, and like everyone was just like, "Oh, Pete Carroll must have loved that," you know. It's like Pete, Pete Carroll would you know get off to that it's like give me a break that that this is uh it's gone too far we need to f- kind of fix it right so well it's something we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago with what irritates us about pete and that's he just doubles down on whatever he <laughs> he doubles down on whatever situation is given to us if clowny falls into our lap if a if a player that we weren't expecting miles garrett became a seahawk He'd be like, yeah, you know, we had something up our sleeve. He'd be like, cool. But if we don't sign anyone, he's going to be like, yeah, yeah, we're really, we're really excited about the guys we got. It's like, I don't want him to, you know, sit here and be like, yeah, guys, we're boned. Really should have done more. But I'd like a little more transparency, you know? Yeah. Um, By the way, just a couple of Carlos Hyde advanced stats. 2.78 yards per carry uh, after contact. uh, 41 forced missed tackles last year. Not bad. Not not great, but not bad either. You know, right there with like a twenty. He was twenty second out of twenty nine players who had at least a hundred and fifty one rushing attempts. So there you go. 
Um, okay. Let's go next thing, uh, which is I want to talk about there's a rumor that, that keeps coming up, came up a little bit last offseason, it's coming coming back this offseason. Antonio Brown. Okay, people uh who? People clown Tony. Uh, Mr. Sorry, sorry. Mr. Shannon first. Shannon Sharp. Uh I'm sorry, I, I betrayed you. Clown Tonio. Clown Tonio Brown. Oh, um, Mr. Big Chest. That's right. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, MV, MVC. Sorry, you lost me there for a minute. I don't know all these nicknames. I got you, Kevin. So Clown Tonio, he uh he goes and so one thing for me is he's working out with Geno Smith. So there's these videos on YouTube. You can watch them. And he's working out with Geno Smith. And I mean, you watch him, he is still so good. He's so freaking good at football. It is insane. So let's start with Eric. Eric. <laughs> Eric. Antonio. Would you, would you take Antonio Brown right now? Uh in the Seahawks uniform. Let's just let's just assume that it's like a decent amount of money, like you know, five or six million, maybe it's even like up to eight. But none of it's guaranteed. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you that we can cut him with no risks. Go ahead. What do you What do you think? What's your What's your Antonio Brown thoughts? I just feel like the answer has to be yes, because I worry for Antonio Brown's safety, just as a human being, and what has gone on with head injuries with him. Uh, for you know whatever hubris an athlete has mixed in with that. Having said that. This offseason has not gone the way we wanted it to go. Uh, we did not get a big name unless Philip Dorsett is that name for Russell Wilson. Uh, we no, you're just going to trash Gregory Olson like that, huh? Uh, Greg Olson's fine. Greg Olson is not the big receiver. Uh, he's he's a big <laughs> well, man. He's, but he's yeah, really very large. He's a, he's a very big <laughs> man. A receiver. But that's not the name I'm looking for. Uh, <laughs> if If we could somehow like boil down all of our tight ends to go on the opposite side of Greg Olson, then, then we'd, we'd have, yeah, I, I'd, I'd entertain that thought, but right now, yeah, why not? If we don't have a pass rush, let's just throw the ball a hundred times a game. <laughs> 56 to 36 Seahawks win. Just go. I don't care. It, I feel like, uh, aggressive secondary makes some turnovers, right? Yeah. Honestly, it's, it, they're, they're having to play catch up. They're turning the ball over, having to play catch up against us. Ethically, it sounds terrible for me to say yes, but hey, speaking of catch up, that, yes. uh, that arrangement worked well for Kansas City last year. Ooh, uh, didn't nice. it? So yeah, there, there's a good YouTube video that you should watch. It Geno Smith. It says like it's called Seahawks QB Geno Smith gets in good workout, and it's with Antonio Brown. Uh, so here's my thing: is um, Antonio Brown? Are we trying to win best? person award or are we trying to win football games because if we're trying to win football games there's no reason you don't you don't do this move and if we really break down what is pete carroll's greatest strength well pete carroll's greatest strength is creating a great team culture and one that allows his players to be who they are as a person but still work within the system and succeed and, and i think managed it and i'll be honest that might be the perfect landing spot for someone like antonio brown right now my biggest hang up is that he's probably going to get suspended for like six games if he comes back which would suck. I would. I don't like picking up a player and then having to deal with a suspension. That's kind of garbage. But if it's this player, I mean, he is very good at football. Um, I say if there's probably only like three or four guys on planet Earth right now who you could say are clearly better wide receivers than Antonio Brown, even though he hasn't played in a year. So I would do it. I would do it. I know a lot of people are going to not like this, <laughs> that, that we're all going to say, I think, because I already know what Kevin's going to say. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm in Kevin's head, even though I haven't, I haven't actually heard his opinion yet. I think I know. Um, <laughs> Set but, him up. Uh, but I think that people are going to like that we said this because I think it's an unpopular opinion. But there's just no reason to uh, to I just if if it's if the option's there and he says I'll play for a, a kind of a sweetheart deal to really prove myself one year for the Seattle Seahawks, you just do that. You just do that, and you do, you um and you make sure you have out. You know, if he does something stupid, you can walk away. Just like just like New England did, it worked out fine for New England last year. It's not like New England sucked. <laughs> New England made the playoffs and you know had a tough loss where they couldn't stop Derrick Henry. That's not they, they weren't terrible or anything. Kevin, uh, it, adding an unstoppable third receiver seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's you really had, what it comes down to. That we it, we're not signing a bunch of choir boys out there. Um, it's the NFL. We're watching the NFL. We have clearly checked our morality at the door. Mm. And so I'm not trying to take a moral high ground on professional football because there isn't one. Therefore, if he's allowed to play in the league, he's going to play for a team. Um, if he's the one of the top three wide receivers on our team, then suddenly our top three receivers are Lockett, Metcalf, and Antonio Brown and try and cover us. Like, yeah. good, good friggin' luck. So... I actually hey, can you think imagine? it works out pretty well because we have Josh Gordon come in and just about the time he screws up and gets suspended, Brown will come back off suspension and then we get a full season. Like it's That's pretty perfect. A, I, can you imagine like going single back four wide with, with Dorsett, Metcalf, Lockett, and Brown? That would be That's gross. Yeah, that's, not to mention our three wide receiver sets. Good, uh, like if we do eleven personnel, and we've got Lockett, Metcalf, and Brown, all three of them can play inside or outside. All three of them can play on either side of the field. All three like, are super physical too. That's yeah. and they're like super good. Okay. Anyway, let's just not talk about too much. Cause I I have a feeling that it's not that's not going to happen. But I'm just okay with it if it oh, does. Oh, it's just over a zero percent chance it'll happen. But it's fun. Yeah. Um, what we've hey, got right now. We okay. I wrote this down for later. Let's just get it out of the way. There's a player prop. Uh, it's um, Antonio Brown. Will he play this season? Is yes plus three hundred. No minus five hundred. What do you think about that? He's gonna think? play. You think so? You take the plus three hundred. I would play. take the plus three hundred right. because as soon as he gets cleared, somebody's going to sign him. All right. Yeah, he's too um, good not to sign, right? Yeah, I mean, I Same think Antonio like, Brown. I think that the, our team has strong enough leaders. You know, Russ. Apparently, he's best friends with Geno Smith. That that'll help. <laughs> you know, Russ, Geno Smith, Pete Carroll <laughs> can really. It will be fine. All right. Uh, last uh, Where the Seahawks hell do you know Geno Smith from? I was going to say, how do you become best friends with Geno Smith? Almost have in West Virginia. I don't know. Okay. Last thing, uh, Seahawks related. People freaked out this week. DJ Dallas took 31. And I know Eric's the biggest Cam Chancellor fan on this podcast. So, Eric, what, what was your um, emote? I'm sure you had a, a reaction. You felt some kind of way when he took the 31. DJ Dallas. What what was your thought? It's fine because uh, he's not in the ring of honor. Here's a couple of points, though. One, don't take that number if you don't even know you're going to make the team. Like, we just signed Carlos Hyde. Uh, don't don't take such an important number. That's, that's neither here nor there. Other thing I want to say is you on the Discord said that unless they're in the Hall of Fame, you don't like retiring numbers. I disagree with that. 
Well, that's the official that's Seahawks just, team policy. So you have to play to make to get your number retired by the Seahawks. You have to play every game as a Seattle Seahawks. So Cam Chancellor's on it there. Yeah. And you have to make the Hall of Fame. All three of our retired numbers fit those. And I know that. I know that. Things. But I I just don't. That one. That means Earl's never going to be, be in the Ring of Honor. Actually, Correct. Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Not the same as retired number. jersey. Yeah. He'll right. be in the Ring of Honor. Different things. Either way, Cam's not getting in the Hall of Fame. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Kenny Easley got in after a long wait, so maybe it's going to happen. Kenny Easley's era adjusted stats are better than than Kenny Easley's era adjusted stats are stupid. He has had so many interceptions. I like went back and looked, and I was like, "Dang, this guy got like a lot of interceptions." Well, they didn't. They didn't gauge pass breakups either until until after the fact. Right? We're like, "Oh wow, that's uh, that's like what he did on every play." You is also really good at faces broken up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, short career, but really, really, really good. And Cam Chancellor has to, he has to get in on the back of like the Legion of Boom thing. That's how he gets into the Hall of Fame, right? Is that they, the Seahawks defense, you know, that revolutionized the game, him, Earl and Sherm all go in, but it's hard already for safeties to get in. And I just don't think that Cam needed to play like two or three more years. To I really think make even it. just Earl and Sherm getting in is um, a pretty big feat for a single defense to yeah, put together. And the other thing is, I'm I'm not a Earl big and Sherm are both going in. By the way, well, if they're, they don't, that's a joke. They're that's definitely going. Um, but I'm not I'm not super concerned about jersey retirements in the NFL because of the weird jersey restrictions anyway. So you know that's what the Ring of Honor is for. And then I, but what I do like is if you do like a legacy number, like if Blair becomes a big time hitter as a safety and like he gets elevated he with becomes Cam's a blessing, big time hitter, but you know, he has to actually start for that to work. Um, a big time hitter. Start, like if he become, if he becomes the enforcer over the middle for our defense and Cam blesses him, bestows 31. I think that's awesome. Oh, we're not I on our that's bold. That's a cooler way of doing it. We're I not on our bold yeah, predictions right. podcast yet, but uh, my my prediction, one of mine is Marquise Blair starts all sixteen games uh, at strong safety. That's one of my. I'm already started making a list, so now I burned one already. <laughs> but whatever. I think that t- is that is definitely one of those. If the Seahawks defense is going to be really good, insert things that need to happen. That's one of them. Yeah. I think Brad is that Brad is the super backup this year, which I'm fine with. Okay. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get our topic this week. This week I hunted down between Bovada and DraftKings uh, some Seahawks over unders. I also made up a couple to kind of fill in some of the gaps here. Uh, so some of these exist, some of these don't. Um, you could try to figure out which ones. I'll let you guys uh, explore. You're on your own. But basically, these uh, these are all uh, Seahawks props that are out there. That you could bet on, uh, well, half of them are you can bet on. You can bet on here. I'll just tell you the ones you can bet on: DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, Chris Carson. Those are the ones you can actually go bet on, uh, and the over under. The other ones I made up. All right, here we go, Kevin, Eric. You guys ready? Yeah. The Seahawks over under right now nine and a half wins. That is, um, it over is a over is a slight uh, f- uh, favorite. People are kind of hitting the over a little bit more than the under so far. I'm hitting the over because I think nines are low end. So if nines are low end, I feel good about 10 or 11. Um, I also think we might be getting in before the uh, a defensive signing takes place, which would easily bump that. Yeah. All right, Eric. 
Nine's a low end, like Kevin said. Plus, we still have Russell Wilson, so more than nine. All right, there you go. So that next, we're going to go to the quarterback of the team. All right, the 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 leader. Oh, captain, our captain. That would be Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, over under passing yards, 4,000.5. 4,000.5. So that just to give some context to this, Russell Wilson had uh, has gone over that three of the last five years and almost got there in 2017, 3,983. So over 4,000.5. What do you think, Eric? What is Pete betting? <laughs> um, I'll go over, but Rose. I, I'm I'm going over, but I'm also I'm I'm doing it slowly. You know, it's every year, every we're gonna throw the ball, we're gonna we're gonna break it open. Russ is gonna do this now. Uh, we'll see, but y'all go over. I think these passing these Russell Wilson props are kind of a trap a trap in the opposite direction. Like the Seahawks have this reputation as like, oh, they just run, they don't throw. Yeah, but dude, like I'm Russell Wilson, the over on Russell, that. Russell Wilson has hit this three of the last five years. He's coming four off of the four thousand six. Years. Um, no, not four out of the last six. Uh, nineteen, sixteen, fifteen, fourteen. This four thousand and a half passing yards. He had thirty four hundred in twenty fourteen. 3,900 in 2017 and 3,400. Oh, am I getting? Oh, sorry. I'm looking at uh, yards, including playoffs. Yeah, that's that's why I got to use pro football reference, dude. Okay. So, so <laughs> they, they, they separate that stuff out. They're like, um, it's a worse website in most cases, but this one. Um, did you guys know that on pro football reference, it says Russell Wilson's nickname is the asterisk? <laughs> what is that? What what is that? I've never heard that before. Uh, you know that? what it is? His real nickname? Tons of profanity. That's just they're they're blotting it is out. Is that like something. when the Mariners tried to give Ichiro the nickname of the wizard, like for eighteen years? They just the wizard. That That's everyone knows. That's uh, Walt Williams. Well, thank you. Um, I am. I'm still going to hit the over on this. Uh, I think that last season was more of a sign of what's coming than um like a peak so i think projecting from there he's gonna clear that pretty easily um i think that this is a close one i i I think it'll be around four thousand. i think that's fair that's a fair line um i would take over if you put a gun to my head but i i'm gonna avoid that one in lieu of the next one the next one i think is way better russell wilson over and a half over over 30 and a half passing touchdowns he has gone over 30. He's had 31 or more in four of the last five seasons. I think this is easy. The weapons around him are getting better. The offensive line, just by Fetty not being there, should be better. I like their over 30 and a half passing touchdowns quite a bit. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I'm smashing the over on that too. Like that, that's I think that's a pretty a pretty sure thing, especially when you consider the red the red zone weaponry with uh DK with the technical route running for Lockett and then throwing Olsen in the mix as another guy who can use his body to kind of beat up defenders down there in the red zone. I feel like passing touchdowns and then the possibility of some of our running backs, maybe getting a little bit of a break early in the season. I feel like our passing touchdown totals will be high. Eric in a year of miracles. This is the year for miracles. And this is the year to bet the over. Let's go over. Let's do it. Will we even play football? We don't know. 
smashing the over. All right. Um, how about this? You guys want to hear something interesting? I Googled this asterisk thing. It came from the football. The Football Outsiders every year puts out the uh, Lewin career forecast. It's like a, a forecasting system for quarterbacks. And Russell Wilson had like a crazy projection in it. And they were like, well, that doesn't mean he's a sleeper prospect. It's we'll put an asterisk by that one. So they like made him the asterisk. And then um, obviously they're wrong. He was a sleeper prospect. I mean, all you had to do, I don't know. I'm, I get so mad about the way scouts evaluated Russell Wilson. Basically, they're like, everything's perfect, but he's not tall, which is just such a, a dumb way to to evaluate football players. So, um, Well, people also forget the grad transfer thing was kind of a weird thing because he basically grad transferred because Glennon, Mike Glennon, showed up. Yeah. And right. so he grad transferred to Wisconsin so that uh, kind of cleared the way for the job for Glennon. But that was more of a courtesy to Glennon and also improving his own draft stock than any like worry about losing out to Mike Glennon in anything ever. All right, you guys ready? Chris Carson over under. You can really bet this one. Chris Carson over under 1,025.5 yards. So he's got to get 1,026 yards. Eric, what do you think? Mm, I'm going under here. Uh, not because of any coaching decision. But because of uh, health, I'm just going to I'm going under. Sorry to be sad. All right. Carson has hit this in both of the last two years, but I'm with Eric. I think there's a lot of uh, mouths to feed in this backfield now. I think Hyde eats into his his share here and uh, Penny, when he comes back, gets even bigger share than normally he would have. Um, that doesn't mean Chris Carson sucks. And it definitely means he'll hopefully be ready for the playoffs. So I think that they want to, they want him to be a hundred percent because he is the best running back on the roster right now in terms of just how good he is. He's so good at breaking tackles. Yeah. He's not going to bust in very many huge runs. His longest run of his or his uh, longest run last year was like 59 yards, but they, that he had like, that was like his only long run. And so I really just think, having Chris Carson at hundred percent ready to pound that rock because the Seahawks like to get ahead and then pound the rock. That's, I think that they're going to be their game plan this year. Let's go ahead. And uh, I'm going to go slight under and say he ends up with around like eight fifty to nine fifty in that range. Kevin, what was the exact number? 1,025.5 yards. So 1,026 yards. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, the, I told you that. Uh, I'm going to go under as well, just because the quantity of backs and I have two schools of thought on this. One is they load up the carries for Carson because they know they're not going to have them next year. And so you just kind of, you know, uh, you, you bust them out. Um, the other thought would be that they want to kind of give Penny the rock and let him show that he's ready. And that feels a little bit more Pete to me. So, I do think that it's going to be kind of a share the wealth and he's going to probably just creep over a thousand yards, but in the regular season, I don't think he'll get much over it. I wouldn't bet it, but I would be surprised if he gets it. All right. I got Rashad Penny prop for you guys. You ready? Eric, will Rashad Penny appear in over or under six and a half games regular season? That's the number. That's tough. Um, under all right it's coming out now uh you know we said that you know pete was doing his little thing where he says he's gonna be ready he's not gonna be ready uh came out this week he's gonna start the season on the pup list 
going to take a little bit for him to get going. Under. Kevin? Uh, Seahawks are a week six bye, so I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we wait just a little bit longer to get to a bye week kind of thing. So even if he doesn't come back until after that Cardinals game and we get the mini bye, that's still one, two, three, four, five, six games right there. So it's over under six and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the over if I have to bet it. All right. Um, so my thing is that like, you know, you get designated to return. Like I, it's basically like, do they DNI him? And then when they bring him back, are they, are they going to, so that week nine would be the week that, that, that they could bring him back. They could, the last week they could hold him out and then they have to bring him back in week 10 and then they'd have seven games left. So I was basically like, does he play in all seven of those games? And I think, yes. So I'm thinking barely seven comes back in week 10 and that's his first game. The thing is they might not bring, play him in that first game. You know what I mean? Like they might bring him on really slow. Cause there's just going to be no necessity for that. Speaking of known guys that well, real quick, that, the other piece of that is uh, that Rams game. We have that short porch until the Cardinals. So I could see them maybe riding uh, Carson a little heavier there, knowing that in that Cardinals game, they could maybe have Penny pick up some of the slack on that. So let him stretch his legs against the Rams and then feature him a lot more against the Cardinals. All right, Kevin speaking. So the reason I think we have coming back maybe a little slower for me is that Carlos Hyde is going to be a Seattle Seahawk. I have Carlos Hyde's over under at 550 and a half. So he's got to get 551 or more. What do you think? Over or under? Oh, Carlos Hyde. Yeah, man. Kevin. Uh, five fifty and a half. I'm gonna yep. go under on that one. Okay. I think again, quantity of backs is a thing. Last year we had over a thousand yards from Carson, but the next one was Penny with three seventy, and then Travis Homer with a um a little over a hundred yards. I think that he's gonna be more like in that three fifty to four fifty range. Okay. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of room for big yardage games for Carlos Hyde. And that's what it would take. It would take multiple games at 70 yards, 60 yards. I don't see that. So I'm going under. Um, so I based this on the fact that when he was the like part of a timeshare that season where he played part of the season in Cleveland and part of the season in Jacksonville. Do you guys remember that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, uh, he was pretty bad that season, 3.3 yards per attempt, but he did grind out 571 yards. And I'm, I think it's going to be close to this number. It's going to be around 500. Uh, give me over. I like over because I think there's a chance he's like the only running back in week one and gets off to like a 120 yard start and then can just kind of cruise from that point forward to, to the rest of the yards. Okay. Greg Olson over under five and a half touchdowns. Eric, what do you think? I'll go over because I think he's due for six. All right. Uh, Kevin. Uh, five and a half. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Disley had four last year. Hollister. Um, I'm going to say over, I think probably somewhere in that like six to eight range feels pretty correct. Uh, Greg Olson has not hit five and a half touchdowns since 2015, over five and a half since 2015. He's only hit it four years in his 13 year career. It's kind of a tough number, but the Seahawks love using tight ends. They love throwing to tight ends, which is why I went a little, I juiced it a little higher than I might have normally. 
I still am going to take the under. I think that the tight end room is pretty crowded, which leaves a lot of mouths to feed. Speaking of crowded tight end rooms, Will Disley over 40.5 receptions. Eric, under, under, under. I don't know. know uh, That's a quick under because I don't know how much Will Disley has left. I don't want to be a jerk. No, this, we talk about this on the podcast and Kevin kind of hates it. Like, you know, he'll, he'll be like, oh, Eric has no faith in Will Disley, but man, two big injuries. Um, and I don't know what he's made of. So I got to go under. I set it a little low because I know that there's like huge injury risk here. Uh, he had 23 receptions in six games last year. Um, if he's healthy the whole season, he, he's going to challenge that number. That's, I think he's right there. It's kind of a easy over, but is he healthy the whole season? You might be right, Eric. He might be. Well, this could be cursed. Uh, I don't know. This is this is like the hardest one I made. It's up, a lot so. of tight ends to draft and put on your team if you have a lot of faith in a great talent like Will Disley. And that's not being a smartass. Like Will Disley, incredible talent. If he hadn't been injured for two years, I think our playoff picture, the way we finish the season, changes dramatically. All right. Kevin? I wouldn't put money on that. I think... There's a chance that he's mostly healthy on the season and still only gets like 35, 38 catches just with, again, like you guys said, the quantity of tight ends and the fact that with Olsen in there, he is a really good blocking option for us as well. All right. Uh, DeKalen Metcalf. DK, got two props. You can bet these ones at at Bovada. Uh, DK Metcalf over under 875.5 receiving yards. Oh, easy over. He hit that over last year, which this line, this line is baiting you to take the over. They're Man, begging you to take the over. Real quick. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm, I'm logging into my gambling account right now. <laughs> Got to get, <laughs> get a few, few uh, Your Majesties down on uh, over sixty eight seventy five an and a half. Easy smash. Um, I mean, there's the sophomore slump, but I'm not gonna. I don't even want to put that into the universe. Like DK is gonna go over, no problem. Too late. You just did. DK is young. He's rising. Uh, he's he was young last year to twenty two. You know, it's like you know, it wasn't like an old rookie or anything. Um, I I think that this one, I it, it's really comes down to everyone wants to short the Seahawks passing game, so they're probably going to be some people betting under here. But I think over seems pretty nice. DK Metcalf over under sixty two and a half receptions. This one's a little trickier. Last year he had fifty eight receptions. So Kevin, I'm is this one... over because it took him a minute to kind of get on. Last year, he had nine drops, which I think yeah. is something that he's working really hard on improving. Um, and if you look kind of as he trended towards the end of the season, in the playoffs, it tells you that barring injury is going to be a pretty featured weapon. Now, where this could go sideways is if we did sign like Clantonia or something. Those uh, receptions come from somewhere. But I think this is going to be another over 700 drop back um, high attempts season from Russ, which means that I think that DK is going to be getting his. I like how we all are in agreement. We've all convinced each other that this will be the year. Finally, the Seahawks will throw a lot in the first quarter because I think that uh, the only other choice is to descend into madness. (laughs) It's like, like I, I have no choice. I either have to like, completely lose my mind and start to hate 
the Seahawks, or I have to have faith that finally they'll pull their heads out of their butts and start trying to get ahead early in the game. This is like the Miles Garrett thing. Should I, should I have no fun and pretend like nothing's happening or should I, you know, just have some fun and joy in my life? I, I like to err on the side of joy. There's a right way to make fun of the Seahawks running too much too, which is like to just clown on it all the time, but not in a way that like is like the Seahawks are terrible and we should blow up the team. But because, you know, they're a 10 win team. It's really hard to com- Let's compare them to the Mariners. You know, it's like the Mariners are Let's not clini- talk about the Mariners. The Mariners <laughs> are clinical depression in a professional sports franchise distilled down. Like if you want to know what it's like to feel like there's no hope, be a Mariners fan. Like that's what that's what Mariners fandom is. Well, it's, being, there's being the Mariners no hope. fan is like if we went through the LOB years, but we only made the playoffs twice and only won one playoff game. Right, and we just got yeah. killed both with, times with three or four Hall of Famers on our team. Yeah, or if you're talking about, it, you got to love these guys. And what about this? Or so what if you had? What if you had like the greatest? A player in your team's uh, one of your greatest players in your team's history, a Cy Young award-winning pitcher, and you never got him to the playoffs. What if they did that? Okay. Anyway, um, so yes, it's it's not like we're rooting for the Mariners. So I like I think like just dunk on them, like make fun of them. You know, post a picture of like yeah, like I said, like Madden, like the Madden guy never threw. You know, Pete Carroll's over there creaming his jeans jeans about it. Okay, Philip Dorsett over under. Three and a half, three and a half, three and a half touchdowns. <laughs> Oof. Under. Yeah, David Moore had two. <laughs> David Moore had two. It'd be funny if you, funnier if you just said three and a half receptions. <laughs> come, come on, man. I know, I know. I'm sorry. We'll save that joke for David Moore. Nick Ballore would have challenged that over. <laughs> I'm, so wait, so I'm you're going under, under there. You're going under as well. Yeah, but you guys don't know. I got this line by adding together Jaron Brown and David Moore's touchdowns and oh, and uh, Malik Turner's like if he gets that many touchdowns, he'll have more than three and a half. No problem. He has five. He'll clear it by a lot. So you're not accounting for the touchdowns that we're siphoning off for Greg Olson and uh, for uh, DeKayla Metcalf having a better season. Yeah, well, also our our optimism for this year can only extend so far. (laughs) <laughs> fair enough uh all right i think you pair up a, a deep threat like philip dorsett with uh russell wilson he's gonna find a way to get him the ball well, that's I, here's the thing if you just said number of touchdowns 20 plus yards in the air i would have also said three so all right it's so last one you guys ready yep tyler lockett over uh, <laughs> over <laughs> under here we go it's a, it's a tough one you're gonna you're gonna this so the dk metcalf one when you hear that one, and then you, now you hear this one, you're going to be like, huh? Tyler Lockett, 1,025.5 yard receiving yards over under. Yeah, that's the same reaction I had. Okay, I'll go first because deep, uh, deep I want inhale Kevin, of breath. I want Kevin to end this on a high note. I'm going under. Similar to Disley, I don't know Tyler's health right now. When Tyler I, Lockett. Tyler Lockett, I will always love Tyler Lockett. And uh, a fantastic person as well as a fantastic Seahawk. Um, I don't. I don't really know if he's healthy right now. I um, one thousand twenty five point five is uh, too much. He has hit that once in five years, 
and um, he's struggled his whole career. Um, I think that he does best when he's the second receiver. And I think this year, to be honest with you, he might be the second receiver to DK that he might be like the, the number, the number two option. And that's okay. Cause he thrives in that role. He's very efficient. He doesn't drop any balls. It's not like a, a slight to him that he's, he deserves all of our love and respect because he, he makes, he puts up a crazy amount of efficiency numbers. Like he's, I think I read online. He's like the second uh, highest rating throwing two on deep balls in the entire league the last five years. Uh, it's just he's insanely good uh, in terms of efficiency, and I don't want him to be the number one option because I think the those efficiency numbers might go down if he gets too many targets. Right? Like there's like a certain amount of attention I want him to be getting that will be nicely maintained by DK kind of making the leap. So I expect him to be just shy of a thousand yards. We're in the 900 to a thousand range and then, but touchdowns, you know, he's going to have like 10 touchdowns cause he's, he's pretty, he's pretty baller like that. So, uh, yeah, give me a, give me Tyler Lockett slight under on this one, Gavin. Um, so you, you went with 10 touchdowns, including playoffs the last two seasons. He had nine and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. He had, uh, 18 targets against Tampa Bay, 13 targets against new Orleans and 12 targets against Pittsburgh. That's not ideal. Like that's not a that's not a perfect usage pattern for Lockett. Um, like he's really good at moving the sticks. He got a sixty three first downs last season, which was nuts. But one hundred and twenty seven targets is, in my opinion, probably overusing him. I would tend to agree. The only thing that gives me pause on that is, at this point, he's basically our possession guy. Mm-hmm. Last season, he kind of finished the the body swap into Doug Baldwin for career purposes. And so I think thinking about him with Baldwin type numbers is a pretty reasonable conclusion. Would you guys agree with that part? In 20, It's weird because in 2018, they really leaned into Tyler being the, the deep threat, right? So in 2018, he had um, 17 yards per reception, a third, four, almost four, 14 yards per target. His ADOT was really long. Like he, he was just they looked at him kind of deep. And then last season they dialed it back to kind of more what we would expect his numbers to be, um, where the Seahawks when the Seahawks kind of used him in a lot of like intermediate and then kind of snuck him out there for some deep ones every once in a while. So. I, I'm kind of with you. I just think he's going to get slightly less usage is the problem. 110 so what was the exact number? 1,025.5. 110 so regular season. 125.5, Doug only cleared that twice. Tyler only cleared that once. I feel like I'm going to go under on that. I feel like it's much more likely both receivers end up somewhere between like 900 and 1,000 than either of them ends up with more than like 1,100. Yeah, it's... It's um one thing I'll tell you about these player props in general is if you just hammer all unders, you usually win. I know that's like the fun police. That's not very fun to do, but um, it's just true. <laughs> uh, generally, like these these go under, especially because they. I feel like every single one of these props assumes the player is going to be healthy the whole year. So if you right. just, if you just went through the whole slate and bet every under, you'd probably win sixty percent. Because it turns um, out people get hurt. Because yeah, I don't people, know if you know that. But some, because about half of the ones that don't get hurt are going to go over, and half the ones that don't get hurt are going to go under, and then the uh, the ones that get hurt are all going to cash under. So you'll just win all of those. 
Now, in my rooting for fun, I will say there is a significant chance that both receivers end up clearing a thousand yards by a pretty decent number. Like mm-hmm. that is also on the table. I just, you know, there's a difference between thing that I think has a, has a shot at happening and thing that I want to spend money on happening. I think that there's six legitimate pass catching options in this offense right now that are all re- good, good to, you know, excellent. And that makes a big difference where last year I felt like, um, at the end of the season, there was only three, you know, at the end of the season, I was like, man, I hope they throw to Hollister, Lockett or, or Metcalf yep. <laughs> and not literally anyone else. Now we've have Hollister, Lockett, Metcalf, and we have, you know, Disley Olsen and, and, uh, Dorsett. And I think that's a big, it's a, it doesn't, you know, you don't think of it, but that's a huge upgrade cool, in that's, terms if of the Penny's options. Back, that's another pretty good option. Yeah. So just, uh, just food for thought, I guess. All right. Is ready to head to the money zone and then do a little uh, movie club. Let's do it. All right. So uh, there's many ways to help the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, join the discord, get in the chat, uh, hang out with the boys. Uh, Kevin had the line of the week in the discord this week. He said, I'm trying to sign Antonio Brown to play football, not to date my daughter. And then he said, Oh wait, my daughter's 19. I guess she can do that if she really wants to. Hey man, facts, <laughs> which is awesome. So, so uh, thanks to the new Patreons, Adrian, Andy, RJ, Brett, Jacob. You guys are killing it. Uh, and to our and to our uh, longtime patrons, thank you to you as well. That would be. Yes, I'm. Can you guys tell I didn't have the website open? Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Carrie, my, my favorite is how long it takes to navigate that website because the layout's trash. Carrie, Lucas, Tom, James. Timothy, Andy, Brett, Brian, Michelle, Flocktimus, Keith, Mike, Karen, Bob, Richard. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Seahawks Nest podcast. If you don't have any money, you still want to support the show, follow us on Twitter, head over to iTunes, give us a review, um, or wherever you get your podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of that stuff. Um, then uh, that's about it. So, um, okay. Movie Club. Let's go with... Uh, okay, go Ke- Kevin. Yes, go ahead. All right, so I have a fun one. Um, Starting on May 29th, running until June 7th, on YouTube is the We Are One Global Film Festival. This is um, the Toronto International, Tribeca, Tokyo, Sundance. A bunch of the film festival groups got together, and because they can't do their normal film festival, um, they have entrance that are going to be part of this. So you have everything from interviews with Jackie Chan or uh, Jong Boon Ho and Song Kang Ho. Um, some really uh, talented people uh, to shorts. Uh, some of these have been available in other places. If you get a chance to watch Bilby, that's a really uh, cute short. That's a fun one. Um, there's feature length films. There's documentaries. So this is a 10-day film festival. There are still things being added to the schedule as we speak, um, according to their website. And I have seen a couple things go up in the last few days. So um, check it out. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly the format. Um, There's a schedule for when things are being like live streamed, but I don't know if things are going to be available to stream on demand after the live stream. If they are, that's awesome. If they're not, then uh, RIP everything before 6.30 in the morning. 
<laughs> there's yeah. stuff on before 6.30 in the morning. Well, because it's Eastern time. So there's like uh, there's like stuff that's airing at 4.04 a.m. because it's at 7 o'clock a.m. Yikes. That's brutal. Yeah. So uh, like, sorry, not happening. Uh, uh, thank you. Interview with Guillermo del Toro. That'd be super interesting. Not 4 a.m. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I might get up before him for that. All right, Eric. <laughs> What do you got, dude? Uh, I have a few things that uh, I just want to touch on as fast as I can. I watched that Netflix movie Extraction with Thor. Um, this movie wasn't terrible. Would I recommend it? Sure. Uh, it's it's not exactly brainless, but it's not like a Hollywood go see a movie movie. It's probably your top of the line Netflix movie. Um, I like that. So it's like Triple Frontier level. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yes. Triple Frontier with uh, even less star power. Okay. I think there were two actors in Triple Frontier. Three. There were a lot of actors in Triple Frontier. Uh, what there wasn't was a script and cinematography. Uh, you know, I'll, I will maybe trade the... Uh, I shot the like a really good episode of, of Magnum P.I. Yeah, flip, flip a coin on the cinematography. Uh, this is for Kevin. I watched Song of the Sea finally. That was really great. Recommend that. Very hell enjoyable out. movie. Yeah. Um. This fans of the podcast will know that I I love the last Rambo movie, uh, that came out like a new one Rambo like six years ago, Rambo three. Oh, or oh Rambo the one 4. that's like cartoonishly over the top violent. Correct. So I watched Rambo Last Blood this weekend, and I just to let you know I took like six days off of work because I have like two hundred seventy hours of PTO. And they gave us the okay to start taking time off again. Uh, and I was like, you ain't doing this. So I just watched a lot of movies. Rambo, Lost Blood. Over, under, 20 beheadings. Guys, throw out numbers. So can I tell you somebody else's review? Smash that movie? over. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so a friend of mine said, I don't think this was supposed to be a Rambo movie. I think this was a different script. And then they couldn't sell it. So they're like, hey, let's just make a Rambo movie. Um, I will say, if anything, this was... The, I, without spoiling anything, this is the last Rambo, but the the credits are basically a trip down memory road of all Rambo films. Oh, I really hope they were emotional plays. That oh, was like like, like like really emotional music. They're trying to pull a tear. Yeah, it's the the it's like the the uh, the soothing theme. They slow down the clips of like him hiding in the mud and gutting the guy. It's 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 worth <laughs> watching. Because okay, now I do have to if watch. If you it. love Rambo, you'll love this movie. Is it streaming for free somewhere? Because that's the price well, yeah, I it's, pay it's for on it. Amazon. It's on uh, yeah, Amazon Prime. Okay, and that's, that's that's my price. It's just put it on in the background and be like, oh, did did that guy's head just disappear? Was that didn't that just happen? Oh, it happened again. Can't wait to watch that one during a Zoom meeting. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, the last last thing I will recommend: there's a foreign film on Netflix called Eye for an Eye. I was into like all these revenge movies this year. I gave that one a shot. Woo! That one, that one kind of cut deep. Uh, if you want a film uh, that's foreign and and dubbed, so you don't have to worry about subtitles. Um, that wasn't. Uh, that one kind of threw me for a loop. It was a bit of a screwball, but I enjoyed it. So there you go. Sorry okay. for the long list. My big thing is that HBO Max comes out tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of. There's a lot of cool stuff on HBO Max. You know, there's going to be like uh, the Studio Ghibli, Ghibli yeah. films. There's going to be a bunch of Crunchyroll stuff. There's going to be uh, classic movies. Uh, there's going to be all the Lego movies, um, the Matrix HBO trilogy. TV shows. 
Yeah. Uh, apparently the Snyder cut of Justice League's coming, which I can make fun of. So I'm all into the that. nerds are so um, excited about this. Oh man, there's gonna be so good when that sucks too. For like three yeah. years, release the Snyder cut. Release the Snyder cut. <laughs> I I don't care. I can't, I'm, I, I'm so glad they're releasing the butthole cut of Justice League now that everyone clamored for it. So there's a bunch of new shows coming out, you know that are sent, but the new show that I am most excited about will launch tomorrow, and that is the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get excited. I, so here's the thing. I get really excited now when there is a kid's show that, that I might be able to watch with my son that doesn't look like it totally sucks. And this fits the bill to a T. I this looks like completely. This looks like something that I will be very entertained by that I can watch with my son who is two and does not like anything fun. He will put on the worst show or he will request the worst shows like he gets like a couple hours of TV time a day. And I'm and I'm like, do you want to watch this? And he's like, no, watch this. And it's like he'll pick like basically the worse the animation is, the more he wants to watch it. So so uh, if it I'm looks really, like he drew it, he's into it. Yeah. So <laughs> so like, we, you know, you, you, in his limited TV time, he's using it very poorly. I'm hoping I can harangue him into watching the not too late show with Elmo and uh, I can be entertained. So there you go. So uh, my story to relate to your story, um, when Quinn was uh, in about third grade, uh, he got really into Star Wars Episode Two. Which Oof. thank thank you whoever gave him that VHS, you suck. <laughs> and um, uh, luckily, Star Wars: The Clone Wars came out like right after that. So uh, I went out and because we didn't have access to the streaming service at the time, um, I went out and bought the season on DVD just to get him to not watch episode two and to watch uh, watch Clone Wars instead. It was a it was a great life choice. Good that call, that VHS disappeared. No one knows what happened to it. No one knows. Who, who knows what happened to it? Did it, did it find its way into a, a, a landfill somewhere? No idea. I can right. neither affirm nor deny anything else, but yeah, finding finding decent programming to swap your kid over to, great life skill. Yeah, I, I have a hard time <laughs> not seeing how H, HBO Max seems like they're they're really bringing it. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff coming to HBO Max. I'm pretty uh, excited. I'm strongly about it. considering picking it up. Just if yeah. if for nothing else, grabbing it for a month for the Studio Ghibli stuff. <sighs> Eleven ninety nine. Oh, sorry, Eleven ninety nine a month. Package it up with the Schwamm. No, you can't do that, actually, because it's Warner Brothers. All right, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, we will see you all next week. Go Hawks!